Welcome to Be Advised, Leading with Value with Brad Swinehart. In this podcast, we will focus on successful marketing methods for advisors that generate prospects and clients. We will learn from the best in the industry on how advisors in the trenches today are growing their practices. Join us for this journey where Brad draws from years of expertise and guest experts to help advisors reach their full potential. The referral coach is in the house with Brad Swinehart. This is the Be Advised Leading with Value podcast. And Brad has a guest who is a recognized expert in relationship marketing, which can get you the referral and introductions that count. Bill Cates shows successful advisors how to be relevant, engage, and leverage resources. And Brad, you really scored here. Bill is also an author several times over and no stranger to podcasts. Bill, thanks so much for being on the show. I know we've done a couple of virtual events with some advisors and offered a lot of training out to them. And I just wanted to pick your brain a little bit more and dive into some of your uh, absolute amazing um, expertise in the industry. So thank you very much for being on the on the show today. You bet, Brad. And, and just in case uh, your listeners heard it incorrectly, it's Bill Cates with a C, uh, not with a G. I missed it by one letter and several billion dollars, I'm afraid. I was going to say probably a few zeros too, right? Like, <laughs> Well, yeah, but you know, here's the deal. Uh, Bill Gates has a lot of money. He's given away a lot of money. That's his mission. My mission is to help you and everybody listening maybe make a little more money. So I think we'll be fine. I love that. And well, let's get right into it. Um, you know, you're known as the referral coach. Mm-hmm. You've recently written a, a book about radical relevance. And from what I understand, the concept behind that is really sharpening the marketing message. And I think that is so important today with all the noise out there in the industry and how advisors need to stand apart from everything else that they're potential clients are seeing. So let's talk about that that first, you know, let's let's talk about how do you sum up and clear out the noise for your value proposition as an advisor. Yeah, I think the two biggest obstacles that people are facing right now are number one, I call it marketing message overload. It's been estimated that the average person receives about 3000 marketing messages a day. So no wonder everybody's put barriers up to hearing from us and paying attention to us. And then the other barrier that we face uh, is, is inertia, right? And it means that, that our, pros, our prospective clients could be doing nothing, right? They got their head in the sand. We know a lot of people are, are that way around their financial world, uh, or they're moving in a certain direction and the idea of changing just uh, doesn't appeal to them. Uh, so sometimes uh, the challenge is the incumbent, right? There, we have to unseat someone else who's already serving our clients. So how do we get people to pay attention to the message? That's, that's why I wrote the book is to uh, become more and more and increasingly relevant to those people so that they'll see our message and say, oh, that pertains to me. Because most of the messages we get, you know this, for, and everybody listening knows this, most of the messages, you know, they don't have a clue who we are. Uh, and and they're sending us a message anyway. So we got to cut through all that. And if I'm a financial advisor and I'm trying to define my message to define what makes me different than the the next financial advisor across the street or at a different firm. How do I determine what that message should be and and dial into that value prop? 
Sure. The, the, the key really, and this is nothing new in the sense that most people have heard of this concept, uh, the key is actually just narrowing your focus on who you're trying to reach, having a very clear, a very well-defined target market. Now, you can have more than one target market, so you don't have to be restricted to, to one market, but the more defined you are, the more narrow you are, what happens is your messaging to those people becomes more relevant. It just means more to them. The, the, the challenge is if you have a pretty general range of people you're trying to serve or you know, business owners and executives and young families with children and all the various disparate types of things, then your messaging is going to be pretty weak. But if you narrow it specifically, then your messaging is going to be pretty strong. Now, I want to make a distinction between a, a target market and a category. So a lot of advisors want to work with uh, folks that are seven years out from retirement or on either five years of either side of retirement. You hear these, these ways of defining the category. And there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, because that can be great work for those people. It could be very profitable work for you. But that's not a market. That's a category. Now, the beautiful thing is when you can put the two together. So let me give you an example. Dennis O'Keefe works uh, in Massachusetts, and he works with folks with Verizon. So his target market is Verizon employees. He's nested in Verizon quite nicely up there. And his category are people that are about five to seven years from retirement, and he helps them navigate into and through a successful retirement. So he couples the power of a, of a clearly defined category and expertise there, and then a defined market and expertise and knowing the strengths and weaknesses of their benefits program, et cetera. And you put the two together, and that becomes a very, very powerful messaging we worked on a web uh, web page for him just for Verizon employees, and all the language on that website page displays his knowingness for Verizon employees. So if a Verizon employee sees that, they go, oh, this guy gets me. This guy understands me. And that's what we need with our messaging. We need people to see our message and identify with it immediately. Uh, so then they will spend a little more time with that message, and hopefully we get a chance to get into their world. And what should they focus on as far as what that value prop is during that message? Is it, you know, is it aspirational? Is it positive? Is it value prop? Is it, you know, credibility? What should that initial message or that overarching message, what should that focus on? Boy, that's, that's a big question. There's a lot that could be talked about, but let me give you a few thoughts. First of all, you don't want to lead with credibility. The biggest mistake that I find most advisors making on their websites, LinkedIn profile, how they talk about themselves, you know, Barron's 100, Forbes 250, all this credibility, credibility, credibility. And look, there's nothing wrong with that. We need to be able to talk about that, but that's not what's going to attract people. What's going to attract people initially is that you get me, you understand my world. So the, the word I want to focus on here for a second is empathy. Empathy means appreciation for understanding of someone's situation. And so in our marketing and in our prospecting and sales messaging, we want to display a knowingness for whoever we're reaching out to. And they've got to get that. They've got to feel that. Here's another way to think about it. Um, think about the Star Wars movies, the, the original ones, right? And the hero's journey, you have Luke Skywalker as the hero, and you have uh, the villain, Darth Vader, and you have the guide, Yoda, the guide was. 
And so let's remember that the hero are the clients. You as the advisor, you are not the hero. You are the guide. You are the person that's going to help the hero. They want to be the hero of their own story. So as, and together you fight the villain of confusion in the marketplace and all the other villains that you're fighting there. And so you want to make sure that your messaging speaks to them where they go, oh, I, I see myself in that. And, and so you take that and now let's take a little bit about how the brain works. So there's a chapter in Radical Relevance, chapter three, it's the, uh, the neuroscience of relevance. And I learned a lot about the brain. It made my brain hurt actually writing that chapter. <laughs> and so the brain six times a second is going, where am I? Am I safe? Right? Six times a second, where am I? Am I safe? And then three times a second, roughly, it's going, is there an opportunity? So the brain, yes, is wired for opportunity. The brain wants to be aspirational and take advantage of opportunities, but only when it feels safe. So that means usually our message starts out with empathy for the challenges, empathy for the problems, the concerns, right? Running out of money in retirement or tax consequences, et cetera. And then that pulls people in a little bit. And then we can talk about the aspirational. We, you know, the aspirational side is really, it's really the flip side of the same coin. As you solve the problems, you could take advantage of the opportunities. And so we lean a little bit towards the problems. We pull people in with that message. Then we talk about what's possible by solving those problems. And then we talk about us as the potential person to solve the problems for them. But we don't lead with credibility. That comes in after we've, we've attracted them into our world. And there's two points I want to dissect separately on that. The first mm -hmm. being credibility and mm -hmm. that you don't want to lead with that. And I think that's very important for advisors to understand the difference between pushed credibility and found credibility. Mm. If you're leading your marketing message with how great you are, you're setting, and I love the analogy of the hero, mm -hmm. um, but if you're setting yourself up as the hero and you're pushing how great you are and how credible you are, that is entirely different than someone discovering your credibility. Now, if um, a LinkedIn profile is a great example of that. If you have a bunch of salesy stuff up top about how great you are, that you're probably not going to get that reader to look much further than that. They're going to see, okay, this guy thinks very highly of himself um, and maybe I'll move on. And if you guys, if advisors are not paying attention to what their LinkedIn profile looks like and you're actively marketing, you need to. 70% of prospects will look you up on LinkedIn before they decide to do business with you. Mm -hmm. So Bill is absolutely right that you need to pay attention to what that looks like when they find you online. I want to point out the fact that found credibility is very different than marketed credibility. And to Bill's point, if you can stay relevant when they first find you online and you can have an empathetic message, and then throughout their research with you, they find that you are a credible person, whether you've been on a podcast, you've written blog posts, you have a very professional looking social media, that is very different than leading with that. Because now they're researching you, they're digging into you, and what they find is gold. That is a, a home run. And the other thing, and Bill, I've heard you talk about this hero mentality, the Yoda mentality. I love that. I'm a big fan of, um, what's his name, Groku on The Mandalorian. He's a <laughs> little baby Yoda there. Um, and um, I've heard you talk about that before, and I loved it. I immediately uh, attached to that that message. And one thing, you know, and I love your opinion on this, because when I hear that, 
Um, when an advisor sets themselves up as the hero, what they're also doing is setting that prospect up as the victim because the hero's coming in to save the victim, right? And when you do that to your prospects, that can't put them in a comfortable position. No one wants to feel like they're the victim. And I wanted kind of your, your spin on that, if you will, because I, I love that mentality. I've heard you say that before, and that's immediately where my mind goes. I want to see if there's any validity to that. Well, of course there is. And, and people want to be the hero of their own story. And so, and they want to be able to be empowered to make the right decisions. Now, everyone's a little bit different, uh, but in the most cases, uh, people want you to come in not in not with arrogance and not with, you know, I know things that you don't know, and you know, I'm going to make you feel less than because of it. And there are a lot of advisors that they actually drive prospects away by how much they know and how much they have to share what they know. Like I got a call from an advisor's wife who worked with the advisor and says, you know, we could use your help where we can't convert our prospects into clients. And so I said, all right, well, tell me, you know, what's happening, what's working, not working. And what we found out is this person, this advisor is so enamored with how much he knows and how well he thinks he can explain it to prospects and clients, that that's all he does. He doesn't ask questions to get to know these folks. He, you know, as they're walking out the door, he's teaching, you know, it's like he could put a whiteboard in their car, he would do it. And so what happens is he inundates people with this information and how much he knows, and it just drives people away. What, you know, what, what we need to do. And if you look at you know, to go with Star Wars a little bit further, you know, what do, what does Yoda we could, say? To, we could talk, talk Star Wars all day. Yeah, I'm of course. But what does Yoda <laughs> say to Luke? You know, it, it, the answer is inside of you. And and now, of course, our clients don't know all the answers. We have to help bring the answers there. But it's it's by getting to know them. So the whole principle of, of radical relevance is is an incredible unrelenting passion for needing to know who our prospects and clients are. It has to start with that. It has to start with just getting to know our prospective clients and our current clients in ways that most advisors just don't take the time to do. So what happens with that is, you know, is context, right? The more context, the more you know about a prospect going in, the more you learn about them quickly and the more you get to know them over time, the more valuable you are to them, right? The better you can serve them. So it has to, you have to have that attitude of curiosity and getting to know these people and, and just as much as you possibly can. And then you start to make recommendations based on that and, and you get to know more. So guess what? They feel listened to, they feel understood. They are now the hero of this dynamic that's going on. And you're just facilitating, helping them make the decisions that are in their best interest that they wouldn't make without us. I mean, we do have to take a leadership role in people's lives. Don't get me wrong, right? The guy does take a leadership role. Uh, I mean, I think every financial advisor's uh, job is to help people make financial decisions that are in their best interest that they wouldn't make without us. So that's important, but our clients and prospects won't let us do that until they get a feel for who we are until we create that the personal side of the relationship. And that's all about asking good questions and listening and going deeper with all of that. So yeah, when when you try to come off too strong with the credibility, you know, whether it whether it's going to make someone feel like a victim or it's just going to drive them away because you're not taking the time to get to know me, 
right? Nobody likes that. Nobody likes it. You know, I, I had someone call me recently uh, to do some business with me. And she says, you know, what I like to do is start off this call by telling you a little bit about myself. Uh, and then I want to learn about your situation. And I'm thinking she's got it totally backwards, right? Yeah. Could she give me a little piece of what she does if I don't know? Uh, just a glimpse? Yeah, that's not bad to have a little context. But then she's got to know who I am before she starts to talk about herself. Because then when she talks about herself, she can be relevant to me. Otherwise, she could be talking about herself and saying things that would drive her drive me away from her without even knowing so it, it's all about a relentless passion for understanding our prospects and clients. And when we target a niche market, when we, when we have a, a more narrowly defined market, what that does is it allows us to have more of that context and have more of that understanding of those people before we even contact them. We're, we're coming in at a higher level of understanding and appreciation for their situation so then we can ask more educated questions. We can ask questions that demonstrate our knowingness of their situation. And that's the key in getting in cutting through all the noise. Now, let me, before I forget, let me just make sure I cover this one thing. Uh, in the book, we have 17 rules of radical relevance. And the first one uh, is the fastest way to relevance with someone who doesn't know you is an introduction from someone they do know. Right. So credibility comes from introduction. Credibility comes from meeting people through introduction. So that always needs to be the primary method of how you're reaching people through that personal introduction. Why? Because that's how people want to meet you. And, and everything falls into place because of that. So it doesn't mean you can't use other sources. That doesn't mean there aren't other things involved, but that's primary. And when you meet people through introductions, every other aspect of what you do works better and things get easier. And we feel the exact same way over at White Glove. And that's one of the reasons that we offer introduction services as opposed to lead generation or you know something like that, where it's just your know, cold advisor cold calling a person's name on a, on a sheet of paper. Um, I take one step backwards and I want to talk about the questions to ask. And I've been in sales for a very long time, sales management, both in the financial advisory world and outside of that. And I remember probably the very first thing I ever learned about selling is to ask questions. And we used to have a rule that any project, any solution you wanted to offer a potential client, you had to ask six questions first. And the mm -hmm. point of that was to get to know them get to know the scope of the project, get to know what they're looking for. And sometimes it was a challenge because sometimes those people came in with a very clear, this is what I want to accomplish. Mm -hmm. And it felt, it felt like you were backpedaling by asking questions, but I'll tell you what it does is build that personal relationship. And this business more than probably any other is built on relationships. And you'll never get that. If you are just the solution guy, you'll just, if you're just the guy that just pumps out answers, instead of getting to know that person, you'll never develop that bond. And ultimately when that client, even if they become a client of yours, when they start having more and more questions and they don't feel like you care, they don't feel like you're gonna ask, they're gonna find those solutions somewhere else. And maybe that person will ask them enough questions where they feel personally connected.
Yeah, no question about that. And and look, if you have someone who comes in with their own agenda, and, and that's fine, you got to find out what that is. And as they have things they want to talk about and get answers to, you can still be asking questions around that. I'll tell you, let me give you three magical words that have has changed my ability to sell better, my ability to get to know people better. And that is tell me more, right? When someone says, I want to talk about this or tell me more about this annuity thing I keep hearing about, you know, or whatever it is they talk about. And, and you want to just, you know, what, tell me more about that. Tell me, you know, what makes you want to learn more about that? What have you heard? What have you read? What have you been told that makes you interested in that? So always trying to get motivation behind people and their questions and their agenda helps you get to know people better. And sometimes you can, uh, you know, they come in with, with weird questions or, or things that they shouldn't be doing that may not be good for them. Right. And so you want to make sure that anything that you recommend or anything you help them with is tailored to their situation, what they need. And you can't do that just by, you know, you can't take a leadership role in clients' lives and do the best possible work when you're just doing what they ask you to do. I'm not saying you don't pay attention to that. I'm not saying that maybe you do that. And you've got to come at it at a, at a higher level. Right. So, you know, it's it's the difference really in in, the, in being process oriented. When you get get back to the referral introduction stuff, it's not the products that make you referable, right? It's not the transaction that makes you referable. It's the process. It's the process of you getting to know them. It's the process of them getting to know you and your team. And so we've got to make sure we bring a process from the very beginning of getting to know our prospects and onboarding them into our business, walking them down the metaphorical red carpet into our business, and then how we stay in touch with them over time. It, it's the process that's going to make you more referable. And it's the relationship that's going to make you more referable over time. And I truly believe that asking questions always has value during a conversation. Mm-hmm. Even if they are asking for a solution, they are asking you for an answer. If you can dive into what made them ask that question far, probably far more often than not, when an advisor is speaking to a prospect they have the answer to that specific question, but understanding why that prospect has that concern, understanding why they asked that question is much more powerful than giving that solution. Yeah, I think, and I think maybe you do a little bit of both, right? You, you, um, you do answer the question at some point, but you do want to find out what's driving that question so that you can give a better answer. And also, uh, per, you know, sometimes if you're not careful, if you don't know what's driving the question, then you can end up answering the question correctly and losing them. So right. you always 100%. want to, yeah, yeah. You want to find out what's driving. And, and this is about being relevant, right? So back to the, you know, the whole idea of relevance is the more, you know, about your prospect <clears throat> or the more, you know, about your client, then the more relevant your messaging will be, the more relevant your recommendations will be, et cetera. And, you know, you talked about LinkedIn and having a great LinkedIn profile and all that. I find that there's really two kinds of uh, research that you want to do for prospects uh, before you reach out to them. There's the cold research, which you go look at their LinkedIn profile, you go look at their website, maybe their Facebook page, anything you can learn out there about them or their company. 
And that's the cold research. And that can be very helpful. There's nothing, nothing wrong with that at all. It's very helpful. But then there's also the warm research. Warm research is the relationship-oriented research. Warm research is, are only the things you can learn from someone who knows them already. And that's why referrals and personal introductions are so powerful. And that's why they're related to this topic of relevance, because we can, we can learn about the personality. We can learn about what's going on in their life that's important to them that we can't get with the cold research. And so that's why when we, when we target a market or target a specific market, uh, we, we bring more value and, and we bring more knowingness to that market. Referrals actually get easier to get in a target market because any good target market is going to have uh, uh, formal and informal ways of communicating with each other. And because of that, we start to build a reputation. And, you know, this industry, uh, Brad, is, is, is very prospecting oriented, right? You think about when new advisors get hired and the referral process, a little bit of that, that's prospecting. If we're asking for introductions, that's, that's a form of prospecting. And so, and there's nothing wrong with that. In, in fact, prospecting will always be a part of your business. There'll always be a piece of that. But one of the things that I'm trying to do, I'm kind of on a mission to help a lot of advisors, especially successful advisors, uh, to be able to move a little bit away from that, that push prospecting, that always kind of chasing and having to go after other people to attraction marketing, where we're attracting people into our world. And so any prospecting that's left is a lot easier because we're attracting them into our world. And that's, that's what happens when we target a very specific market is we start to be able to build a reputation. In fact, sometimes I call it reputation marketing. And when we use the tools of reputation marketing and we start to draw people to us, man, talk about everything getting easier, right? People come to us ready to do business. Uh, people come to us because they've heard good things about us. That The word of mouth factor increases when you target a niche market and you get so many more unsolicited referrals because of that. So, Again, this is all about being relevant. It's all about knowing the people you're reaching out to. And the more narrow your approach, the easier it will be. In one of our previous episodes, we talked to an advisor that had a wait list for clients because he focused so highly on that niche that he was great at, but also just that, that relevance factor and that referral factor that people were coming to him. And he was saying, nope, you're going to have to wait a couple of months before I can really dive in and start working with you. And wow. on, on, the, on the other side of that, I remember um, talking to Frank Maselli, legendary seminar mm -hmm. guru, right? Mm -hmm. um, and he used to say that at the end of a seminar, he'd get 110% appointment request rate. And I'd always be like, Frank, what are you talking about? And he said, because everybody in the room would book an appointment, but also I'd get, hey, Joe Smith, hi, I wasn't at the seminar last night, but my neighbor, Mike, said you were amazing and I needed to talk to you. Mm. And if you can do that, all of that boils down to being relevant and tapping into your, your target audience. And, and Bill, I know you've talked before about strategic relevance and tactical relevance. Mm -hmm. And maybe as we get close to the end here, we can dive into a little bit of that, of what the difference, what does that even mean, strategic relevance compared to tactical relevance? Yeah, sure. So uh, strategic relevance, 
uh, as you would think, are the strategic decisions, the strategic things we do in our business. So things like what is our target market? Who fits our business? Who does not fit our business? All of those things are, are very important strategic decisions to make. What is our target market? What's the bullseye within our target market? Do we have more than one target market? So all of that is the strategic side. And then the tactical is obviously how we implement that and how we uh, we, we talk about that in the environment. So let me give you a couple of places where the, where the tactical relevance comes into play. Uh, one thing is we call it a value positioning statement. Some people call it kind of an elevator pitch, uh, but we, you know, it's, it's a short, succinct way to talk about your value. And we need a short, succinct way to talk about our values. So we have uh, what we call a, a, a value a positioning statement formula, and it goes something like this. Uh, I work with who want to, for example, right? So I work with defines my market. Here's who I work with. I work with high level executives. I work with small business owners in the printing industry. I, I work with uh, young, you know, young uh, couples with children, whatever, whatever it is, it defines that. And then who want, whatever they want is what uh, is the benefit. You need to talk in terms of benefits. And I got to tell you, I've reviewed about 120 uh, value propositions from financial advisors over the last year, and very few are, are any good at talking about benefits. Uh, they talk about features, they talk about things that they offer, but they don't talk about how that actually impacts the, the prospect or client. But if you think about what your prospect wants, that's the benefit. And it's usually things like confidence, clarity, peace of mind, knowing they're not going to run out of money in retirement and things like that. And then, for example, it's very important. So I want to encourage everybody listening to start to create a bit of an inventory of anecdotes, of examples, of case studies uh, that you can use when you start to talk about your value with others, uh, because that's what brings the cryptic formula to life. I work with who want to. All right, that's pretty good. It answers some questions. But then when you say, for example, and you have a little anecdote, now people are really starting to get it. And by the way, if you're ever in a social setting and people ask what you do, you know, you don't go into your value positioning statement in a social setting. What do, what do people do in social settings? Well, they tell stories, anecdotes. Let me tell you what happened to me today, or let me tell you about my vacation or whatever. So start with the story, start with the example. Someone says, what do you do? Well, let me give you an example. And so that's a way to take a piece of that formula and adapt it to the social setting. This is what I mean by tactical relevance. The other, other thing real quick is how you talk about what makes you different. And is, is, is what makes you different important in this industry? Well, yes and no. It depends. If people are interviewing other advisors uh, to see who fits them, then yeah, you do need to know what makes you a little bit different than other people. If you're talking to centers of influence, accountants, attorneys, they want to know what makes you different because they want to know who matches the work you do. But let's not get too caught up in that because the prospect in front of you, what they really want to know is, are you right for me? Are you right for me? And so that's what's most important in conveying uh, the value. But with that said, let me give you a little formula. It's called the, uh, the differentiation gap formula. And it goes like this. Anyone can, only we can, for example, or Many can, very few can. So any financial advisor can create a financial plan for you. 
That's not hard to find. But very few focus on your industry, or we're one of the few that focuses on your company. So we know your benefits package in a way that most people don't know, yada, yada, then talk about benefit and then talk about, for example. So you can see how the example comes in there as well. So that that just a, is a brief discussion on on the, the, the tactical side of the relevance factor. And just so advisors kind of have a very clear picture of the difference between features and benefits. Cause I, I love that mentality. I've always believed in that. And it, and it gets kind of confusing or it gets a little muddled if you're not paying attention, but a feature is something that it does, something that it has, something that is, you know, a bullet point on a package, if you will, mm-hmm. a benefit is how that person is going to feel, how that's going to change their life. And if you focus on features, you're going to push people away. When you focus on benefits and you've asked all the proper questions so you know which benefits are going to ring true, then you're going to close more business. And probably one final point, Bill, I'd love to ask you about just there's key messaging that that advisors can create that drives someone to take action. What would your, if you had one recommendation of when you're thinking of messaging, what should they focus on to drive action? Yeah, so I think uh, probably one of the key things is what happens if we do nothing, right? What is, what is the cost of not taking action? What, what are the ramifications of not taking action? As long as you as an advisor are focusing on what I like to refer to as critical problems and, and, and um, blatant and critical problems. We have a chapter in a book about that. You want to try to keep your business for the most part in that area of problems that, that clients or prospects know they have and that they have to solve. Right. If you're if you're just focusing on aspirational problems, if you're or you're focusing on things that they don't really think are critical, it's going to be a struggle. And I'm not saying you can't get there, but if you go in talking about things that they know there's a problem and and there's a cost to not doing anything, that will move people to take action. Right. What happens if we don't do anything? What are the ramifications of that? If you can spell that out, if you can show that with numbers. And then that is what usually will move people to take action. Um, if, they, if they see that whatever problem you're solving, if they see it as aspirational, like I'll get to it someday, you're not moving them to take action in most cases. It's got, they've got to see the critical nature of the problem or they won't take that next step, whatever that next step is. Makes perfect sense. Bill, thank you so much for being on the show today. Great episode. Lots of key takeaways. And if you have a chance to pick up Radical Relevance, I highly recommend it. You know, a lot of the things we just touched on today, it goes very in-depth in that. And Bill Cates, not Bill Gates, thank (laughs) you so much for being on the show today, buddy. I appreciate our partnership always. You bet. My pleasure. Bill Cates, Brad Swinehart, so much solid information, gentlemen. Thank you so much. Subscribe to Brad's podcast, Be Advised, Leading with Value, and know when the latest episode is available. In fact, Do it now with the button on this page. And of course, be sure to share with friends and colleagues. Thank you for listening to Be Advised, Leading with Value with Brad Swinehart. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Mike Love. 
The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.